Welcome to Ideas Goes Abroad. We are Marlinda and Camila, two students of the Master Programme International Development Studies at Utrecht University. For our studies, the whole class was spread out over the Global South to conduct field research. From Sudan to Costa Rica, from Vietnam to South Africa, from remote villages and rainforests to metropolises and tourist hotspots. We're here to bring you stories from our fellow students who have done research and lived on the other side of the world. In each episode, we learn about their adventures and cherished moments and how they managed to do their research while dealing with cultural shocks. In this podcast, I will interview the other host of this show and my friend Camila. She is originally from Italy and has been studying global sustainability science at University Utrecht before she started the IDS Master. She's a person with a critical and philosophical mindset who is always up for deep conversation about life. So I am really excited about interviewing her today. Camila went to Bangalore, India to research the garment sector. Hey Camila, how are you doing today? Hi, Marlinde. I'm doing really good. I'm very excited to be here. How are you doing? That's good. I'm feeling good as well. Okay, so maybe we can just start with an introduction about your research. What was it exactly that you researched? So initially, my research was uh, about the garment sector in Bangalore specifically and uh, about the social and economic inequalities of the garment workers especially on social capital and mobility issues in and around Bangalore. So I went to India specifically to do research in the garment sector. I was already very interested in it for so many years. And uh, for me, this was the perfect opportunity to actually dive into the topic and also interview people that are already involved in it. So for me, it was really, really exciting to be there. Right. That's so nice that you got that opportunity. Yeah. And then actually, I didn't manage to finish my research, but already from what I saw in the month and a half that I was there was so insightful. Basically, my research was mostly focusing on uh, interviewing garment workers and garment organizations that try to help them get better quality of life and also quality of working conditions. So I was already interviewing and discussing the reality on ground in my first month and a half there. Oh, I'm really happy to hear that you uh, got the opportunity because I think a lot of people were still uh, kind of settling at their locations. So you were actually able to do some interviews. So I arrived in early February in Bangalore and I think after... 10 days of settling in, I started sending a lot of messages on Facebook, on organizations, NGOs, trade unions, and just trying to build a network for myself because the university that I was collaborating with didn't really have much network in the garment sector. 
And I was fine with that because I actually really, really enjoyed my process of connecting with people and telling them what I was going to research about and seeing how they reacted and what was their feedback. And for me, it was really just really overall positive process. You mainly developed your network via social media? Yeah, so that's one thing that I wish I did before, actually. I just went there with my research proposal and I had a list of organizations that I wanted to interview and that I wanted to talk to. But then when I got there, a lot of them were unreachable and I couldn't find a way to talk to the like board members, for example. So I just started looking on Facebook and uh, I just started sending a lot of messages. And most of the organizations actually called me back or messaged me back. So that was, I guess, really useful. And I could have done it already before to build my network. But uh, I still, I think it was also important for, for the organizations themselves to see me. Yeah. I told them what I was researching about. I understood if they were interested or not. And then we met in person and we just discussed about what I wanted to do. And I asked them about their experience and if they could collaborate with me for connecting me with garment workers. Okay. So what you're saying is that actually you could have done a bit of networking at home already. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I'm not sure how it is for other countries, but I think in India, People have a lot of social media, so it's really important to use them even casually. I mean, you don't have to send a very formal email, just a Facebook message will do. Okay. Oh, that's interesting, actually. I think uh, in the Netherlands that, well, might not work exactly the same. <laughs> no, definitely. And I was also shocked to hear that they wanted to call me like right away. I thought it was just going to be emails, 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 yeah. and then eventually meet. But it was really fast, the process. Okay. Oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah. I hope that gives some hope uh, for future students. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Of course, it's different in every country, but um, it's nice to hear that they are excited to, uh, to work with you. Yeah. I became really interested in the garment sector already, I think, three or four years ago during my studies in uh, sustainability that became one of my main focus of interest. And I kind of didn't realize until I was really like deep into the topic and I was really trying to find alternative ways to shop for myself ethically. Um, I saw some documentaries and I, I realized how connected the value chain of the garment sector is. So I saw the power that we have as consumers to shape the reality also in another side of the planet. And maybe I was very naive to think about the simplicity of it all because it's actually really, really complex, but that's how I got into it. But that also expanded in more of an academic way through my bachelor in sustainability and also now with the master in international development. I can imagine that it could be really interesting to first try to be a responsible consumer here in Europe and then actually yeah, experience that in India itself where our clothes come from and to actually interview people that are working in the garment sector. Yeah, and it was really powerful. And also I just found it like such a privilege of me to be able to even say, oh yes, in Europe I don't buy clothes from the big stores because I know that they exploit people 
in India, in Bangladesh, in Malaysia, everywhere. And when I was talking to some Indians about this, they were very shocked. They were like, I don't think we have the possibility to shop secondhand in India. And for me, that already was a wake up call because I realized I had so much privilege in the fact that I can choose what I want to get and I can choose where I get it. Yeah. India itself is having a huge wave of uh, capitalism and like overconsumption as well. And I saw it in Bangalore as well. I mean, Bangalore is really developed. And uh, I saw so many clothing stores, so many shops and people just buying like quite compulsively. And I did not expect that. And I realized that they're they're having their own like wave of consumption that we had already 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so for me... Understanding the like consequences of our own consumption in the quality of life and in the quality of work of garment workers was really important. Right, really interesting. I I have never really thought about the fact that they might not even have secondhand stores. No, and maybe if they do, it's also seen as something that you do when you don't have enough money, like right. hand me downs from your siblings from your family from your cousins it's not something seen as cool like it is here in uh, in europe i would like to dive a bit more into uh, the social and everyday life in bangalore i remember you told me about your first week maybe that's something interesting to share with us definitely the first week was uh, a bit shocking for me I did not expect uh, to feel so scared to go out but I will rewind a little bit because before I left for India I had a lot of discussions with people in Italy from my family and friends who were very scared for my own safety due to their own assumptions about India so I I was very aware of the fear that people had for me I started to feel really scared about my own safety. During the flight, I was calm and then I arrived in my hotel for the first uh, couple nights before moving to another place. And uh, I slept in the morning that I woke up. I just felt terrified to leave the, the hotel, which never happened in my life. Like in all the traveling, in all the moving around the world to live, I just never felt so petrified to leave. And that was very strange, but I also allowed myself to just have some time indoors. And then in the evening, I just forced myself to go out to get some food, to see the place that was surrounding me, and also to assess how much chaotic and how much scary it actually is. And the chaos was huge. <laughs> so you were actually right. <laughs> But I was also hearing the, the noises from the cars oh, okay, from the yeah, window yeah. Of, my, of my hotel. But the scary part, it was all in my brain. I went out and I was like really looking for sketchy people and people who would kidnap me. And it was just like I had the worst image for my own safety about India. Yeah. And it turns out that it was all just an image and just really wrong assumptions. And I'm so glad that... I had that moment of scare so that I realized actually how stupid that thought was and also that I was in a city, a big city, and I was going to be fine. 
So in the first few days, everything seemed really huge, like going to get food, going to get my SIM card. But then I started like getting accustomed to the roads, how to cross the roads, which was another difficulty. <laughs> um, I had many times uh, people take my hand to help me cross the road because it was a bit overwhelming. There's cars and they don't stop. And uh, I just learned my way around the city and how the transport worked. And then that was already so much better. So I think within the first week, I also met some people. That sounds really nice. How was your experience with adapting to the culture? So I actually made friends with some Indian people in my first week uh, while I was in Bangalore by myself. And that was through a mutual friend of mine from Italy. I didn't know this guy. I just texted him like a few times just to ask him a few tips about Bangalore before going there. And he was very helpful. And uh, he invited me to go out with his friends and also invited me to an Indian wedding with his friends oh, as wow. well. And that was within six days that I was in India. I felt super happy because it felt like Indians were really eager to include me and uh, I did a lot of activities with them. I went to the wedding with a few of them and uh, that was uh, quite an experience. I have to say I felt a bit of an outsider but luckily I had the dress, traditional dress, the Indian sari and that already helped me a lot with blending in with the group because I was the only Westerner in this huge room with maybe 400 people and they had Indian songs and they had Indian food and there was a lot of uh, drinks and a lot of people trying to talk to me and like make me feel at ease so I had such a positive impact with Indian society but I also acknowledge that these people were coming from an international background because they all studied abroad from India. So they all came from a pretty high status in society. And um, after that, I also met other people from university. It was already like another experience with them. It just, I think you can find so many different experiences in terms of how you hang out with people and how you interact with them. It's like you're back home and you're just trying to find the group that you fit in the most. And eventually, I just hung out with people that I climbed with. I would like to get back to the research. So you already introduced it a little bit, what you researched there. Uh, can you give us a bit more details about the research itself? Sure. So during my fieldwork, I was going to focus on uh, social capital of garment workers and mobility issues. So specifically on how garment workers unite and uh, interact with each other to create a coping mechanism for exploitative working conditions. But that turned out to be a bit uh, of an unfeasible solution after I came back to Europe. I changed my uh, research topic to agency of garment workers. So looking mostly at literature and also at the observations and the interviews that I did during my time in Bangalore and understanding how 
garment workers are actually not really the victims of the system, but how they are coping with it and how they're reshaping the system by themselves. So uh, just to explain for our listeners who might not be completely familiar with development theory, agency is actually what you just explained, like the fact that someone is not a victim of the structures, of power relations, but is actually able to make their own decisions in a certain context, right? Yeah, and uh, these individuals have ways and manners that may be very small as well, that maybe we don't even see normally, unless we really look. So the individuals create their own environment through collaborating through small acts of agency and small acts of change. The assumptions that I had in my research changed a lot from before the fieldwork to what I have now. Before, I really thought of the garment sector as the most unjust and uh, exploitative system that we can find. I didn't understand that workers themselves are actually finding ways to make sense of their own lives in the garment sector. I found this study, which was made in 2014, that really made me rethink of the way I looked at garment workers. This study basically says that garment workers sometimes choose less secure jobs. So in irregular small production units instead of the big factories, because they actually feel like that allows them to also conduct a better social life. So that really made me rethink of the way I looked at garment workers, not as victims themselves, but as also actors and people who shape their own reality and shape the garment sector itself. Okay, and what are the main similarities or differences between the formal and informal sector for garment workers? Overall, I have to say that between the formal and the informal sector, there's a few characteristics that are just, they don't differ throughout India, which are bad relationships with managers. Garment workers, especially women, are very scared of managers, male managers. They risk getting abused physically and also verbally. And they also have a, a really high production rhythm. And sometimes that's already very unfeasible for them. So there is no way to cope for that. Basically, I haven't found one way that the garment workers are trying to change that because that's very, very embedded with the system. By the middle of March, we all got a letter from our university that they uh, recommended us to go home due to the pandemic. Uh, how did you experience this in Bangalore during your field research? For me, it was unexpected uh, because in India, there were very few cases of COVID. And uh, me and my roommate, also from Utrecht University, kind of decided to stay there. But then we actually ended up going back. It was really a difficult decision because I didn't feel like going back at all. I felt like I just started to live in India. I started to interview people and uh, the research was starting and uh, everything seemed to lift off. It was just really difficult because you're living so far away from Europe and uh, you just have to come back, basically. Yeah, 
So um, what's the situation now exactly? So the cases are still rising a lot, also spreading a lot in the cities, not just in slums and in informal settlements. Um, and so that's also kind of scary because their economy is so fragile, especially for informal workers, especially for people like street vendors. Um, if they're not allowed to go outside due to the lockdown, then they will lose their livelihood. So that also becomes a problem of do you put first livelihood of people or do you put first the health care of people? Yeah. So I'm sure it's a complex situation that needs to be studied way more closely by people who are actually familiar with the Indian context. Garment workers themselves are struggling a lot because brands are not paying up the orders that they made before COVID. They basically stopped the production, but people still have to get a salary and uh, they have to make a living. So there's a lot of activism from Europe um, in order to make these brands pay uh, workers. And uh, something is moving, but it's very, very slow. It's a, it's a really worrying situation, right? Yeah. I also feel like... Um Countries uh, in Europe, for example, they're already so overwhelmed by everything that is happening here and our own economy. And there's just not any room left to think about the developing world, even though they're in so much more trouble. Yeah. And I mean, also, I think for us, it's overwhelming as well as for governments, of course, but that's also shouldn't be an excuse not to not to think of the consequences of your inactions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We came to an end of the podcast, but before we uh, finish, I'd like to reflect on your favorite day from your fieldwork. Favorite day? It's a, it's a tough question. Yes, <laughs> it's a tough question, but uh, the first thing that comes to my mind it's actually two days so it's a weekend and uh, it was after a month that I was in India and uh, I went on this climbing trip with some people from Bangalore and the families as well and uh, we were 16 people me and my roommate from Utrecht University and we went outside maybe an hour and a half away from the city and it was so quiet and peaceful and uh, we slept in a tent and we did bouldering outside in the rocks, which for me was the first time that I was doing it outside. So that was very exciting. And the next day we rode motorcycles. I actually didn't uh, ride a motorcycle because I couldn't, but uh, a lot of other people did. And there was a champion of uh, the Indian team of cross-country motorcycle and uh, he taught us some tricks and I went on the back of their motorcycles and that was very scary and very, very adrenalinic. Oh, wow. Did they do any tricks with you on the back of the motorcycle? They were doing the trick of going too fast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was very fun. And I was sore for two days after because I was trying to hold on to the motorcycle so strong that my legs were sore, my arms were sore, my abs were sore. So that was a big reality check that I need to do more workouts. And we had people from the village close by to come for every meal. And they cooked for us all Indian food. And it was the most delicious food I've ever eaten. Honestly, uh, such a great time. There was a very communal 
feeling of living together and the uh, and the camping experience was really the cherry on top. Wow. And you also learned how to uh, cook some Indian dishes, right? I did, yeah. Me and my friend Rose, who, who did research with me, when we realized that we had to go back home, we just booked a, a cooking class like last second and we spent one day just cooking dishes to learn and to bring back the most important souvenir, which uh, we thought it was food, uh, Indian food. <laughs> Such a nice thought. <laughs> that was really useful, uh, very spicy, and we ate a lot because we spent seven hours of cooking for like more than 10 dishes and we also had to eat them all. So that <laughs> so was a, a lot of work. <laughs> yes, that was a challenging day, but very, very fun. We really enjoyed it. Oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. I really enjoyed listening to your stories. I had a really clear image of some stories that you told us. So that's really nice. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, for me, it was nice to bring back all the memories and the time there. Yeah, I can imagine to kind of relive everything, right? Yeah. So uh, how do you say um, bye in the local language? You say namaskara. 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 We hope you enjoyed this episode in which I interviewed our fellow host, Camila. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could share it on your socials. For more information on the guest fieldwork experience, visit our Instagram at Arias Goes Abroad. Thank you for listening and see you next time.